You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, do you want to see Bruce Springsteen on Broadway for free? We're giving away two tickets to see The Boss on Broadway. Go to gettingthebandbacktogether.com. Just visit the website, click the link, enter to win two tickets, the most in-demand tickets of the year, and we're giving them away. Check out gettingthebandbacktogether.com. I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Ken. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I hope it's pulling back the curtain on this business of Broadway. If you're looking to learn more about what makes this industry tick, go to my website, kendavenport.com, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I'll send you one email a week, one article about what I'm seeing, trends, insights, marketing ideas on what's happening on Broadway right now. That's kendavenport.com. Hope to see you there and in your inbox. Hello, everybody. It's Ken Davenport here. Welcome back to the Producers Perspective podcast. So we have a very unique and fascinating guest today that I've been a fan of for many, many years, not only as a writer, but also as an entrepreneur. He is probably the most successful playwright that you've never heard of. Please welcome to the podcast, Jonathan Rand. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for having me, Ken. So I'm going to let him tell you tell you his story, but very briefly, how I decided to Get featured Jonathan on the podcast today was very recently I blogged or tweeted actually about the most produced plays in high schools across the country. And at the top of one of those lists was a play by, yep, you guessed it, Jonathan. And we had met, we met years and years ago, but Jonathan was telling me about this play back then. And I was just amazed and I shot him an email real quick that it was still at the top of the charts of one of the most produced plays across the country in high schools. So because I was reminded of that interesting story, I asked him to be on the podcast. He has accepted, so let's get to it. Jonathan, first, let's talk about this play in question. It's called Check, Please, yes? That's right. Yeah, I wrote it back in, I want to say 2002. And uh, yeah, I think two years later, it, it was the number one most produced play in high schools. And it's been at that number one spot for, I think, 13 years now. So it's been I've been fortunate that people keep producing it. So let's just get to some specifics about what most produced play means. How many productions of this a year are there? It's a good question. I I, I want to say I don't keep I don't really track it carefully, but I want to say it hovers around a hundred a year. So how I many total do you think there have been since you produced this thing? Oh man, I I'd have to I'd have to <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh it's I could I'm sitting in front of my computer. I could pull up a, an estimate. But uh no, it's it's been and, and Hunter may be wrong. I may be way off. I try to I try to steer clear of the uh of that side of it and just focus on the writing. But it's it's in the thousands. It's been I think around 4,000 productions. 4,000 productions of this one play. Yeah. So it's tell insane. Us, it is insane and amazing and congratulations. So <laughs> Tell, Thank you. Actually, I think I did some research on this. There's like 25,000 public schools in in the U.S. or something about that, which means if you've had 4,000 productions, you're you've got like one sixth of the market there. 
Tell me how, with the origins of this, how it started, the play itself. The play itself. Well, you know, I it was my second play that I, that I ever wrote. So my first play was this play, Hard Candy, that I wrote in high school as a junior. And I didn't, you know, I wrote it and it was produced by by my friends and we had a production at my high school and that was that right i mean what what more could could ever happen after that as a 16 17 year old but then i went to college and i think at that point i submitted my play to all the sort of you know known publishing companies and even some of the smaller ones and i just never heard back so when i was a freshman in college i was kind of dabbling with html and learning sort of rudimentary web you know, coding and things like that. And I kind of put up this small website that said, Hey, if you're interested in, um, in a sort of large cast one act comedy that I, that I wrote in high school, check it out, you know, read a few scenes. If you want to read more, I'd be happy to send you a link to the PDF. If you want to produce it, send me a small check. And that was the sort of beginnings of, of the, the business side of what I was doing because I, I had no idea. I, th- I assumed you had to go to a publisher and have your play if you wanted your play produced anywhere outside of your own high school. So. But in that first year, in my freshman year of college, after just sitting, you know, just doing no marketing, having zero name recognition, that play Hard Candy was produced over 100 times in 12 countries. And so just sort of looking at that, I said, all right, well, let me, you know, let me see what else I can do. And I I was really struggling trying to figure out what my second play would be. And I kind of decided to look at that that first play and say, okay, what what about it excited me when I wrote it? What about it seems to be resonating with with these schools? And and uh, Hard Candy is about these series of job interviews gone horribly wrong. But it was these these short sort of comedic scenes with two people. And that seemed to be a, a sort of winning formula for these schools. So I, I decided, well, what other sort of two-person moments could I could I write about? I think, well, obviously, blind dates. I mean, but that's the sort of quintessential two-person interaction. So that's how I started writing check plays. I, started, I sat down and started coming up with some ideas. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, here we are 13, 15 years later and... Uh, yeah, there you have it. Okay, so I have so many questions. First of all, <laughs> I, I'm very sorry you were such a you know late bloomer and you were writing plays in high school. So let's go back to that. Uh, you had a hundred productions like right out of high school. It's amazing. So when did you decide you wanted to be a writer? What in high school were you like? This is what I want to do. I want to write plays. Or was this just a dare? How did it happen? <laughs> it's more the latter. I, I would say. You know, I definitely didn't think about it at all. I mean, I wrote a, a terrible play when I was in, in the sixth grade that, you know, I actually I recently uncovered it's it's uh, it's garbage. But, you know, I as, as you would expect, if you're you know, you're just kind of trying to write a play as a preteen. Yeah, I I never even thought for a moment that I would I would try my hand at playwriting. And I I, I owe it to my high school. There were these uh, enterprising students when my brother was in high school. I have an older brother who's three years older than me. When he was, I think, a sophomore or a freshman or something somewhere around there in, in high school, there were these two guys who approached their high school drama teacher and said, hey, we want to start up uh, an evening of one acts, this production that's totally student run, like student produced, student written, student performed everything by the students. And really the only role the teachers would be to be there for legal reasons. Otherwise, it's just just the students doing everything. So my brother, Doug, was in the first crop of those of those student written plays when he was, I think, a sophomore in, in high school. 
So when I saw that as a middle schooler, I was just awestruck. I thought it was the neatest thing in the world. So I didn't even, but at the time, I didn't think that I would try to write. I was just still sort of awestruck by theater in general. So when I got to high school, I did, you know, I, I acted in plays and musicals, but, and I acted in those, in those student written plays. And then my junior year, I think it just, it just, hit me one day. I thought, you know, that looks so much fun. My, my, my brother did this uh, amazing thing. I love that play. Let me give it a shot. And so I just sort of actually the the way I came to write that first play was it came out of a an in-class scene that I wrote for my girlfriend at the time. The two of us performed this scene and it went over really well. And I told that to my brother when I was trying to come up with ideas for this first play of mine. And he said, you should expand, you know, expand that you know, see, see if you can take that scene and, and grow it. And so I wrote this, uh, this first draft, it was terrible. Uh, worked on it as hard as I could over that, like, I think a long weekend, I really, I, I couldn't stop editing. And finally I, I submitted it. It was good enough at the time to, to get accepted into this one act festival. And then, yeah, that was how, that's how it got started. So then flash forward to college and were you still at this time saying, oh, I may be a writer? You mentioned you were toying around with HTML. Were you thinking about going into computer science? Was that just a hobby? Or was were you starting to think about writing more as a, as a career path? I had zero idea of what I would do with my life. So I, I deliberately uh, I applied to colleges that had kind of wide, wide-ranging liberal arts uh, programs where I could try everything. So, yeah, I took a class in computer programming. I took a class in... Uh, music. I took a class in, you know, sociology, everything I could take a class in. And yeah, I, I thought I, I might, I, I ended up doing some computer programming later in life a little bit, but no, I mean, I, I definitely didn't go to college thinking that I would become a playwright. It was, it was truly the, the process of trying that out my freshman year in my dorm room of just sort of getting my name out there. That was just happening in the background. And then it dawned on me, you know, as the production started to mount, um, and as the interest grew, well, wait a second, I might, this might be something I should pursue, but it was still, you know, still 18. So I was just kind of, you know, trying everything on for size. And let's, let's talk about that night that changed your life. The moment you published that webpage, it sounds like. How how long did it take you to like write that little note and throw it up online? Well, it's, I think I so I I first tried out. There are all these, you know, this is obviously pre Facebook, pre Google, pre any kind of ready made web platform. So I I first tried this out. There was this uh, platform called GeoCities back in the day, and I when I was I think a junior or senior in high school, I toyed around with that to create our sort of district's thespian website to sort of promote all the schools in 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 my region. And so that kind of got me started on that. And then I would sort of tinker in the coding of that when I was in high school. So when I went to college, yeah, I mean, it took me, I mean, it took me a long time then because I didn't take any classes and I didn't read any books in it. I was just sort of learning by doing, but yeah, it, I, I completely forget. It's been so long, but it took me, it took me a fair amount of time. And then, you know, it was, it was, it was going to be, I mean, it was a silly looking site. It was probably a lot of early internet animated GIFs of a mailbox trying to eat an envelope or something, you know, email me kind of thing. What I love yeah. about what you did, it sounds like you didn't have any expectation of what was going to happen. You were just like, hey, I'm just going to throw this up there and see what happens, right? You didn't think that you'd have 100 productions that first year. Oh, absolutely not. I think that when I first set up the website, I think it was just, you know, the uh, at school they had this, you could get some small amount of free web space. So I was just like, oh, let me, let me put out this website. I'll, I'll link to all these uh, I don't know, singing groups that I liked at college and just, you know, it was, it was nothing. And then I figured, oh, well, I might as well link to my, my play. And I, I honestly don't even remember what, 
when that dawned on me, why I thought, but I, why I thought to put, put the play up there, but it definitely, I definitely not for a moment did I consider that it would lead to anything. I, I had a few productions. The play was published in a magazine as a result of winning a contest, this uh, Thespian Playworks contest, which is part of the International Thespian Society. It's a it's a great contest. So I, I would encourage if there's any students listening in high school, you should check it out. But it's this um, this contest that my brother and I and my sister, who's three years younger than me, we all ended up winning this contest where your play gets selected from all these submissions all over the country. And then your play gets a stage reading at this national theater conference. And as a result of that, of winning that contest, your play gets published in this, in Dramatics Magazine, which is the, uh, the magazine of this organization. So I had had a few requests come in from, from that magazine publication. So I think if I, maybe, maybe I thought, okay, well, people are asking about the play. Maybe I'll make it easier for them by having this website available. So much about your story that I love, including, just like, ah, oh, no expectations. I'm going to try this and see what happens. And the other part of it that I find fascinating is that you saw the success of your first play and then you said, okay, what about the elements of the first play helped contribute to its success? And then you created another one, which has gone on to even bigger success. Talk to me about that. Pro- like, what are those elements? Is there a formula to, to that market that they look for? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's, I think there is something of a formula. It's not, it's not as paid by numbers as, as I would love it to be. But, but what, you know, one of a few of the things that make these plays that plays that get produced in schools, you have, if you set aside musicals where, you know, a school is probably going to put on Little Mermaid because obviously you're going to, you know, put on Little Mermaid. If you set aside sort of the, the classic crucible and, you know, some, some of the, the greats or Shakespeare. But if you're looking to put on a shorter play, a, a more modern play, then the stuff that gets that gets produced in New York is usually doesn't kind of uh, connect or I wouldn't say it doesn't connect. It's not it's not feasible to produce at most schools because hey, I'm trying to think of an example. Like when I was in New York, I, like if I saw The Pillow Man, I thought, you know, it's an amazing production, amazing play. But it's a cast of what, three males. It's very dark subject matter. It's just not going to get produced in, at any, I mean, maybe a, a handful of high schools can pull it off, but otherwise they're going to need something shorter with a larger cast. Great. So you went on to write, now how many plays total have you written for this market? Uh, between Around 25. So you continued obviously to, to provide new product for a market that you became very familiar with. That's right. Yeah. And I think one thing that differentiates, I, I should say that when, when I was first looking around at the plays that were getting produced in, in schools, I, I talked to a lot of teachers and, and there was, this was back, you know, in, in the begin, turn of the century. And there was this feeling of, there are lots of plays out there that are quote unquote, you know, school plays, but, and so they're, they work for our, our classes and for our drama clubs in that they're, you know, PG and they have a large cast and they have a lot of uh, female roles and they're shorter, so they're 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 more tailored to to schools. But the problem was, is they were they were kind of patronizing, right? There was it was you know some someone much older than the students who was kind of writing something they thought they thought students would like. So it was kind of you know cheesy dialogue and maybe a bit melodramatic. So what I what I tried to write when I wrote my first play and going forward was okay, what's something that I that I find funny that that my friends will find funny, but I'm just not gonna have I'm not gonna drop f bombs. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have you know murder and sex and you know it, it, stuff like that. It's just gonna be something I find funny that happens to be structured in a way that works well with with schools. 
So I've had a lot of people on this podcast from Pulitzer Prize winners to Tony Award winners, etc. And I just want everyone to know out there, I'm going to break it down in a second, that this could be one of the best business slash art podcasts that we've ever done. Because look, in case you missed it, what Jonathan has done here is, first of all, one of the key things I think he's done, he, he, he had an idea and he launched it, didn't take much time, just threw a website up, no expectation, and did something about it. Two, he saw what was working with his first success. He figured those elements out and he made something else that was similar to it. Third, he, as he just said, he listened to the market. He listened to what they wanted and what they didn't like and tried, tried to provide something that they would. And then here's really my favorite part, which is you then recognize, well, if it's working for me, maybe there's a model here that this could work for other people. So talk to me about how you then turned this small independent business, your own business, into something quite larger. Sure. And if I could back up for a second, one thing that I should tell you is I definitely hesitated when I first, my, that second play, when I thought, oh, well, should I write something that's similar to my first play? And I had this feeling of, well, no, I want to I wanna try something new. I, I don't want to sort of piggyback off the success of something else. A, a very sort of artistic integrity, you know, gut sort of negative response. And then, I, But then I just put pen to paper and I thought, oh, actually, I really, I'm having a, a lot of fun writing this. So why fight that? So, you know, I, 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 I for starters, as someone fresh out of the gate, I thought, oh, I can't. I have to, you know, branch out, try something new. But, you know, I think I think it was Dave Chappelle, somebody who, you know, says, like, look, if you find something that works, like stay in your lane, right? Don't if you love it and it's resonating, why fight it? But when it comes to the business side of it, yeah, so when my brother wrote his play in high school and he submitted to the same contests. And um, I mentioned earlier, there's that contest, the Thespian Playworks competition. When my brother was the, the winner for the first year of that contest, and as a part of that contest, the winners were published in a, a, an anthology of plays by a traditional publisher. But by the second year of that contest, they abandoned that book. So by the time I won the contest, I didn't have a publisher. So here we were sitting, my brother was was published, you know, by a traditional publisher and every year would see five, 10 productions in the US and Canada. And then when I when I put that website up in college, my my play with no no publisher behind it and no name recognition, anything like that was getting produced all, you know, far and wide. And we had this, my brother and I sat down that summer after my freshman year and said, like, what's, what gives? Like, why? <laughs> he was, this is a he pretty... was pissed at you. He was like, You're, my little brother is kicking my ass. <laughs> we, we have a very, uh, we have a, I would, I wouldn't call it a rivalry. We have a, we have a nice, um, we, we take that sort of competition and, and let it help the both of us. So we, we sat down and we, we said, okay, let, let's, let's, let's figure out what's happening. I mean, yes, you could argue that my play is just, you know, vastly better than my brother's and he's just a garbage writer. And I'm sure I teased him for that for a while. But then we sat down and said, okay, we've got this, this bit of a, of a, an experiment in front of us where we have two guys, no one's heard of. We have, one of them is by all measures is a success and the other person is not. But then when it comes to the actual results, it was flipped. You know, here's, he's in this catalog and he's, his play is being seen, you know, by, by tons of people, but you know, he's, he's has modest success. Whereas, you know, here I am doing my own marketing. Not really. I mean, I, just to, it was it was a, not even a website that it was something like jrand at you know it was like jrand dot college name dot edu slash it was just a it, it, you know j slash play and, slash and it was it was dot exactly. I mean, dot I, I did no there was no it was the worst marketing you could think of but you know as an eighteen year old you, who could blame me but anyway. 
so we looked at those two those two data sets and said, wait a second, so, so what's go, what's going on here? So we surveyed the landscape of play publishing, and this is back in you know ninety eight ninety nine, and we we said, okay, these these publishing companies weren't really using the internet at all. They were just kind of sending out these phone books, uh, mailing out these phone books of plays of play titles and synopses all over the country and world. But if you were if you weren't Neil Simon, you were just going to get buried in in the catalog. And so we said, okay, let's. Let's, this is, this is well before iTunes, but we said, okay, let's use that model. Let's, let's say, okay, people are getting a taste of my play and they're deciding if they like it or hate it. But if they like it, they can, they can move on and, and possibly produce it. They were actually getting that, that sample, which, which is pretty critical. So we, we decided to create a, a company. It was, it's called PlayScripts. And the, the seed of that, of the idea behind that, the company was let's give customers a huge sample to consume and see if they actually like the play before they put down any money. And obviously that company w- grew into what it is today, which now has, you're no longer with that company, right? You sold that company. Right. But it, now how many titles does that company represent? Do you have an idea? I think it's uh, over 2,000 titles, I believe. Incredible. Incredible. And I know it's certainly one of the licensing places that I recommend very often, especially because of the internet presence and the long tail of it. And for those of you familiar with that Chris Anderson book, the long tail of publishing and specifically the niche that you you found yourself in. Well, thank you. Yeah. And my, my, all my plays, I think with one exception, are, are in that catalog. And yeah, it's amazing to see just sort of because we started it out of our dorm rooms um, in, two, in 99, 2000. And we grew it sort of little by little, moved to New York in the early 2000s and just, yeah, just grew it over time. And just to be clear here, how many of these 25 plays that you've written have had productions in New York City? Oh, essentially zero. There's, you know, the occasional uh, school or sort of a a children's off-Broadway production, but but, uh, essentially zero. So once again, just for all the writers out there, I get asked this question a lot is how do, how can I make a living and a good living by being a writer uh, without being in New York? And you've proven to everyone that's obviously very, very possible for writers that are out there that want to get into this niche or any niche. What do you recommend to them? You know, I, I get that question a lot. And I, it, you know, my answer back in 1998 is obviously a different answer than it is today. I mean, at the time, you know, I had to submit my website to these search engine aggregators and sort of get my name out there. I, and I suppose these days, you know, obviously there's social media tools to use. I, I'm of the mind that in time, you know, the 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 model for for finding plays will change uh, drastically. It hasn't yet, but at some point, it, you know, it might be sort of a I'm trying to think of the best word for it, but a way, basically a way for uh, a collection of, of plays out there where sort of the, the masses can sort of vote up plays to, to decide sort of what, what boats float to the top. What's the, what are the best plays and musicals out there that as, as the masses dictate. But yeah, if I, if I'm a new writer, I mean, the best way to sort of get started is to just, you know, get out there and connect with other people in this industry because I mean, that's, that's not how I got started, but. That's what I'm seeing more and more is just, you know, the more people you know, the better off you are. Do you think there are other specific niches like this? Obviously, the high school market is a big one. Are there others like have you ever thought about writing just for the community theater market or just for the dinner theater market? Are, are there other unexplored niches out there that someone could go in and dominate the way you've dominated this one? 
You know, I would think so. I haven't, I've, I've stuck in my lane and, but, but yeah, there's certainly kinds of play, like community theater, for instance. I mean, there are certain kinds of plays that, that we found were regularly produced there. You know, if it wasn't a famous play, it was often, you know, a murder mystery or often sort of based on popular intellectual property, things like that. But it is, it is, a, it is, it is different. I mean, it's every, every market has different needs. And are you also, do you also write other stuff now? I know back in the day you were like, oh, I'm thinking about it, but maybe I'm just going to write the same thing or the same style. Are you also doing, do you write screenplays? Do you write full-length plays? Or do you specialize just in this? I've always felt that, you know, back in the day, if I had an idea, I would always try to kind of pigeonhole it into a play, sort of a short one, you know, one-act comedy for schools. Nowadays, I try, if I have an idea, I say, okay, is this, what is this best? What form should this should this content appear? So I think, okay, should this be a screenplay? Should it be uh, a novel? Should it be, you know, an essay? Should it be a, you know, a two minute video? So far, you know, so I'm kind of trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my hand at in all forms of writing, but so far I found the most success in this school theater sort of comedy short, shorter plays. I've written a few full length plays. There's a play called Crazy Town that I wrote that's kind of a collection of plays kind of like all in the timing sort of by david ives where it's like a collection of shorter plays that are glommed together but mostly it's been short plays again what i love about your story is that you obviously are great artist and also a great business person at the same time where do you learn that stuff did you look was it something that just came to you and how do you recommend that other writers improve their the business side of it of what they do it's a good question i i think Everything that happened in my career so far has been almost by accident. I don't, you know, when it comes to the the writing side of it, that was just getting involved in my high school theater department and then later in college and just kind of staying involved. And then from the business side, it was just kind of trying to take a common sense approach as much as possible. Like what would, you know, given my siblings that we were all kind of heavily involved in our high school drama club, like we thought, okay, okay in, in the, in the, if we're trying to cater to these schools, like how, how do we make decisions back when we were uh, students? You know, we had these paper thin budgets where we were selling pizza by the slice, you know, in front of the buses after school just to sort of raise money for costumes. And so we would say, okay, well, for, let me give you an example. Like we, there's, there were these way back in the day, we first were, were we were putting together sort of the, our first books at PlayScripts. And then, and then we, we talked to all these teachers and said, you know, we're kind of sick of having to, break copyright law by ripping up these books and sort of creating these stage manager editions and and director editions that are in three ring binders so we said okay well let's let's get around that let's figure out a way to so you can be above board and make your life easier so we created these sort of stage manager editions where these stage managers and directors were thrilled that okay i can there they are i've got them right there i don't have to like you know sit over a copy machine and with the scissors and tape but i've got it ready for me so we try to listen to what to what people actually want I think that was the, you know, anytime we would show up at a, at a theater conference, we would have some sort of survey to find out, okay, you know, everything from, would you rather pay for scripts with a credit card or with a check or the purchase order or thinking everything from that to the kinds of content they were looking for? You know, you always want to listen to the customer. Otherwise, you're just sort of banging your head against the wall. Yeah, it's so much easier for us to listen these days because of social media. And by the way, backing up a step, I love you're like, I don't know, we were doing crazy things like selling pizza at the end of school. That is a brilliant idea, first of all. Everybody <laughs> should be selling slices because we used to drive to the pizza place at my high school. Um, the, the real struggle was just making sure that we weren't eating all of the inventory because that was, it was just 
I mean, just the, all the just delicious flavor wafting it right in front of us. It was very difficult. Well, and I also love that you're very humble to say, oh, my whole career is by accident. I think if you look back, you know, you, you started in high school, but you sat down, you wrote a play, you got started into what you're doing today because you said, I'm just going to throw this up on the website. You did something and it's obviously worked out very well for you. So I'll give you that credit. Thank you. As we wrap up here with my last question, which we call here my genie question, I want you to imagine that the genie from Aladdin comes to visit you and wants to thank you for all the great work you've put out into schools all across the country and all those kids and parents you've made, uh, you've entertained, and wants to thank you by granting you one wish. So you're an innovator. You saw something that wasn't there. You made it happen. That was frustrating for you or actually more frustrating for your brother because he was making as much money as you were. What's the most frustrating thing about the theater that you see right now that really upsets you, angers you, that you'd ask this genie to wish away in an instant? Oh, wow. Well, I guess first I should thank you for when you said genie, my my brain immediately went to the diaper genie, uh, which is like a product that, you know, where you store all of your dirty diapers for your kids. And so I'm just glad it's nothing to do with uh, diapers. So that's that's the first thing. I appreciate that. But, but second of all, man, I don't know. I What keeps me awake at night these days is more sort of I uh, worry the, the world and the country is falling apart. But when it comes to my career or the or playwrights careers or theater, writ large. I guess I'll say this. I haven't, I, I don't live in New York anymore. And I do think that one of the the better ways for, for young writers or new writers to sort of cut their teeth is to see really good theater, really great productions. And I know you, I know Ken, you've, you've taken a, a an amazing approach with, with uh, live streaming live productions, which is great. I think if, if there was a way to take that a step further, for for myself selfishly and for others to be able to sort of almost like from a VR perspective, like actually be there in the audience. If you can't make it to New York, I would love to be able to kind of, I used to see theater all the time when I was in New York and, you know, that, that experience, those, those, those sort of, um, you know, sort of transfixing moments that you can't really, you can't really fully experience unless you're there. If there was a way to snap my fingers and make it so anybody in the world could, could see sort of like the greatest productions and if, if we're talking about a genie, then I guess past and like I, I past and present, right? So I, I always regretted not seeing uh, Long Day's Journey tonight back when it was, I think, in the early 2000s. So like there's a way that I that everybody could see this great production and somehow see it sort of from either either get I guess I get it. If it's a genie, then we don't have, we don't need to be talking about technology. We can just say let's just all get transported to there and 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 see it. Yeah, although there is a specific takeaway and action item for that, and that I'm sure that production is in the archives at Lincoln Center, as are so many. So maybe someday everyone will get together and figure out how to release that for the future generations that missed it. I've got the longest list of Lincoln Center titles. I ha- I, I just keep this this word file that I just I I'll never finish it, but I want to. I've only seen maybe three there, but I I need to get back and just just bang them out. Yeah, writers out there really pay attention to the couple key facts from from Jonathan's career here. He doesn't live in New York City. His plays aren't done in New York City, yet he's had over 4,000 productions of just one of his 25 plays. An incredible success story and very much attributed to his entrepreneurial nature. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here today. And thank, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening. We will see you next time. I was totally serious. We're giving away two tickets to see Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Go to gettingthebandbacktogether.com and enter today.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.